Good morning to all of you and welcome to the Transport Select Committee. Um, I'd like to start by asking each of you please, could you, could you just give your name and your organisation? This is just to help our records. Um, if I start at, at the end here. Oh, yes. yes. Name and organisation. Uh, Josie Dew, um, Vice President of uh, CTC, the National Cycling right. Organisations. Right. Thank you. And uh, Cycle Around the World, been cycling Virtually every day since I was 10. Okay, so thank you. Write books about it. That's it. Thank you. I'm James Harding, I'm the editor of The Times. Thank you. I'm John Snow, I'm uh, president of CTC, but uh, I, I don't come here in that capacity. I'm a citizen and I uh, anchor Channel 4 News. Thank, thank you very much. Um, what do you think is the most important thing that could be done to make roads safer for cyclists? Um, Who would like to start on that? Ms. Dew. Uh, well, first thing is for, for um, motorists to understand what it's like to be a cyclist. One of the important things would be better training for drivers uh, so they, they can have better understanding of what it's like to be on the bike, out in the open, um, overtaking on blind corners, whether it could be part of the driving test to include it in that. Um, maybe, maybe they could cycle for a bit of it and really see what it's like um, having cars coming past you. I'm const constantly, I mean, this, this morning, I've, I've got my five-year-old daughter here, and I've cycled about 10 miles this morning, and we had to get up to the station in the rain. Um, there's a blind corner, and, uh, you know, you just see a child on the back, and a car coming towards you, and the car sort of overtakes and squashes you um, to the side. It was under a railway bridge. So, you know, you just think, you know, what planet are they on? It's, the thing is, being on a bike, it sort of dehumanises you. Some, if, if I pass that person on the, as a pedestrian, they'd probably be very polite. But instead, uh, it's like, oh, it's only a cyclist. Let's barge on past. And um, I've, had, I'm, I've cycled now constantly since I was 10. Um, I've cycled about 500,000 miles, you know, six continents, 50 countries. So I've got quite a good understanding of how, how cars are. And, um, and it's only like the last few months I've actually had to talk to motorists um, because I think it's got worse. Our cars have got bigger. When I started cycling in the 70s, they're now about a ton, on average, a ton heavier, a foot wider. And uh, there's, there's one on the school run last December, and I was, um, had Molly on the back, baby, one-year-old in the front, and uh, this, this driver's coming up behind us. Very, it's a country lane. I, I cycle a lot in cities, but I've lived all my life in the country. And uh, she has, she's been coming past on the school run, four children, this great fat four-by thing, and um, she, she was coming up to this blind corner, and I thought, don't overtake, don't overtake, because you meet something towards you, then it's going to be, you know, she's going to squash us, or the other car will go into us. And uh, she just went straight on the other side, and just roared off at high speed. You know, all impatient, revs off, you know, you can feel this great impatience of motorists. And uh, the, the next day, I said to Molly, I was just sort of cross about it, I said, right, t tomorrow morning, I'm going to um, stop this cyclist, I'm going to stop this motorist, and if she doesn't stop, I'm going to report her to police. And the following morning, she came flying up behind us. Uh, we're a bit further ahead, so I pulled across, and I started walking down the road towards her, and I saw her coming, and I stopped her. And um, she didn't want to undo the window, and um, she, she finally I saw a knot, like sort of um, PC plod on the window, and she put the window down, and I said, yeah, please don't overtake us, you know, on blind corners. Please drive us slower. I said, I've got one year old and a five year on my bike. So we're not surrounded by two tons of metal um, and you know, airbags. And she went, oh God, we're always late for school. And I said, well, get up earlier then. You know, you think, well, is that all right then to nearly, you know, run us over? 
And, you know, I said, you know, if I'd been on a horse, would you have driven that fast past us? And uh, she didn't say anything. Anyway, now she passes us very slowly. Very good. And we all wave wildly. So, so it's about, so for you, it's, it's driver behaviour. It's driver behaviour. It's bad driving. It's, it's, right. and they don't okay, think thank you. We'll, we'll go further into things. I just want to get yeah. a, a general okay. picture of the moment. Um, Mr Harding, I know, I know the Times has produced its manifesto. You've got a lot of things. What, what's the most important thing for you? Um, well, well, firstly, can I just say thank you for dedicating the time and taking the time to address this issue. I think one of the reasons that feelings run so high around cycle safety is that for a long time there have been deadly and lethal accidents on our roads and it feels as though no one is paying attention or trying to do something about it. So it means a great deal to a great many people that this committee is addressing this. Um, you're right, we've had, we have a manifesto, we have a list of things that we think are doable. I would identify over and above the key safety things, which is improvement in the equipment around lorries, which we think have had a particularly lethal effect in cities, uh, and, and addressing the really dangerous junctions. Those, I think, are really practical things that need to be done now. But over and above that, I'd raise two uh, big points. One is you need to have people at every level of government who are responsible for the people who cycle in this country. That starts, I think, right at the top of government. You need to have someone who's overseeing that uh, from within uh, Downing Street, who's looking at cross-departmental uh, issues. You need to make sure that happens within the Department of Transport in particular. When we build new roads, there's someone who's looking out for cycle safety, and within cities that there is a cycle commissioner. That's, that's my first point, that there's someone who's responsible for it. And secondly, I hope that... Once this committee has had its deliberations, it will think about not just behavioural changes, not just small changes to lorries and junctions, but really changes to the shape of our cities. At the moment, our cities are not fit for cyclists. They're dangerous for cyclists, and we need to build new roads and new pathways, uh, and we've got to rethink our cities in much the same way that we've seen a few really wonderful cities in Europe do. Do you feel that uh, that leadership is there from government at the moment? Um, no, I think people feel quite the opposite. I feel that, look, <clears throat> we in the newsroom of the Times have been very emotionally affected by this. Many, many people have. We had a young incredibly gifted uh, journalist made a huge impact on our newsroom, a young lady called Mary Bowers. She was cycling into work six months ago. A lorry turned left. She was run over. Six months later, having had many bones in her legs, arms, pelvis broken, and having sustained uh, a serious brain injury, she remains in a coma. Um, she made a huge impact on all of us, and feeling... Uh, um, so, so distressed by that has driven the paper to address this issue and we are by no means alone. We look at the number of people who've been, been killed or seriously injured and we think that there's not enough concern about this and we feel as though they're not people uh, within the Prime Minister's office, within the Department of Transport and within the offices of the mayors or councils of the big cities in this country taking responsibility for what's happening on the roads. Thank you. Mr Snow. Um, well, I would certainly... Um endorse everything James has said and I'd also say that the Times campaign is the most high profile um, moment that we've ever had from the portals of the British establishment 
there's, there's no question that, that that and when you ask do you, do you feel the leadership from government is missing that there is no leadership from government in cycling at all it's it, it's a completely neglected area whatever it says on the paper and therefore i believe the priority is for provision uh, to catch up with use use is burgeoning exponentially i mean in in urban areas in particular um, cycling is just going up um, by the tens of thousands uh, every year, hundreds of thousands in the case of London, and um, particularly with the impact of the Boris bikes. But the infrastructure stays static. There is nothing. There's paint on the road, which is not infrastructure. Uh, we've conned ourselves into believing we've responded to the, the, the huge growth in cycle usage. I mean, it's, it's rather needless for me to say that, that cycling is, is, is good for the economy, Cycling is good for the environment. Cycling is good for individual health, all of which save the Exchequer money. And yet the Exchequer will not spend money. Um, CTC, of which I'm president, has put up a plan which really talks of putting in perhaps 300 million a year for infrastructure, diminutive sum of, sum of money, even in an age of austerity. The fact is there is no leadership from the state at all on cycling. And there is very little leadership from the private sector. Mr Leach. Um, I'm really interested to know um, how you think we can improve driver training um, to help in, with the interaction between cyclists and, and drivers. Very interested to hear the direct action approach from, uh, from Ms Dew in relation to her 4x4 driver. But I, I um, wrote on behalf of a constituent to all the bus companies in Manchester because um, he was suggesting that as part of their driver training they ought to be sent out on a bike to appreciate the interaction between bikes and motorists particularly with buses um, would, you, would you support that kind of uh, driver training? Yeah, I, th I think that the best way for someone to understand is to get on the bike themselves you, you then understand what it's like to you know um because because they were, they've been doing that on HGVs in London, various things like the, the dust dust carts and things like that, and a lot, lot of the lorries, like in the London Cycling Campaign, um, had reported you know, that they realised, oh, we didn't really realise what it was like down there for a cyclist. You know, it's, it's an understanding, it's, a, it's crucial that motorists understand what it's like, because, you know, we are out in the open through all weathers, awful road surfaces. Um, that's another thing, you know, the road surface is pretty awful, and you get a splat of paint, that's a cycle path, which is generally pretty awful. It's full of broken glass potholes, um, and I, I've, I just had to give a bike talk in Utrecht in the Netherlands last month. Um, so I took my two daughters and a sort of reluctant husband across with me, and we went cycling so 250 miles in 10 days. And it's a completely different experience. I mean, I've cycled a lot there before by my, on my own. Um, but suddenly you just relax. They, they've got such an amazing infrastructure, and they, they started that you know, in the 70s. But if, if, you've got to, if you want to get people cycling... Um, which, which is that people are itching to get going. I'm all the time when I give bike talks, people are saying, Oh, I'd love to get cycling, but I'm too scared, it's too frightened, the roads are too dangerous, the drivers are too awful. And given half a chance, they want to. On Molly's school, I'm a village primary school, and um, we, we just, you know, there's, I recycle 10 miles a day, school run every day for all weathers, and so 100 pupils, and we're about, you know, there's, there's, we're the only ones who do, and there's a few who do it occasionally, um, just from a local village. There's, there's one of the mothers is Dutch, and she used to cycle 20 miles a day to school when she was a little girl. 
uh, and she now lives 400 yards from the school and she'll get in a big car and drive because she says the roads are too dangerous. This is a, this is a country road. And she said, I'd love to cycle. I'd love to do it, but I don't want to risk it. Well, we, we try to identify the, the things that, that, that need to be done. I mean, Mr Leach yeah. has asked about training. I wonder if any of the other panellists have a view on training. It, should it be more training for, for motorists? Should it be training when they're, they're learning to drive, motorists, lorry drivers? Or should it be training for cyclists? Do you have views well, on there is areas? a very good training so, provided by local authorities, which is free. Um, there are not many people that avail themselves of it, but there is... Um, cycle training provision I'd certainly like to see cycling um, as an element in the driving test, certainly the, the whole issue of sharing the road with cyclists and indeed with pedestrians pedestrians are better looked after in the driving test but the fact of the matter is I don't think any amount of training will really position the seeing as you're looking at safety, I don't think will position the bicycle and the cyclist in any greater place of safety I'm afraid it's got to be much more tangible than that We've got to look at the infrastructure that is used by the car, by the pedestrian, and by the cyclist. That is where safety really resides. But there are other measures that have been taken, which I think this committee should endorse and perhaps even think about enshrining in legislation. There is a company called Cementex, which has a 1,000 trucks on the road. In 2004, they killed a, one of the trucks killed a cyclist. And they then set about making their trucks safer. These are big, six-wheeled, you've seen them with the big turning, churning barrel on the back. In, in fact, and I and some other members have actually seen, been in one this morning. You've been in one. So well, then I'm telling my grandmother, yes. not my grandmother, my sister. But no, Cementex is obviously a, a model company to, to, to look at. But th this is about provision to make cycling safer. And I don't think training, although training can be an ingredient, it's physical infrastructure. It is political commitment, it is legislative power that will change the position of the cyclist. As both Josie and James have said, it is dangerous to cycle in cities in particular. Josie has illustrated that it's pretty dangerous in the country. I have two daughters of, you know, close to adult age. I would not encourage them to cycle in London. I would be terrified if they took up cycling in London. That's a terrible situation, given that I adore the process. It's my lifeblood. I've cycled all my life, but I don't advocate people taking it up. But people are taking it up anyway, because the economy dictates, the opportunity with the Boris bikes, etc., in London dictates, and we're doing nothing to go beyond that provision. But Mr. Harding, do you have any, any different view on that? Well, something can be done with training? A few small points. Firstly, I think Mr. Leach identified something very important, which is HGV drivers and training for them. I think that's a really useful thing to focus on. I do think training is really important. I think it needs to be part of the driving test. John mentions that there is training for cyclists. I think we need to think quite carefully about how you actually make sure that local authorities provide that and people are given the opportunities, either through their schools or their companies to take that up. But I would echo this point that the concern I've got is that people see what's happening in terms of the tens of thousands of people who signed up to this campaign and think to themselves, let's fix some trucks, let's fix some junctions. Actually, what you're going to need to do is to really rethink some of the, some of the major roadways throughout the big cities in this country. And I'd, and I'd say something slightly different to John in terms of safety and the danger of riding in London. Riding in London is a wonderful thing. 
it, is, it's, it can be beautiful uh, and hugely enjoyable, and then suddenly you'll find yourself on a stretch of road where it's anything but. And that's the, day, the, the issue in London, is that it's so changeable. Parts of, the, parts of the city do cater for cyclists. There are segregated cycleways, and, and then suddenly, uh, much, much too few, but then suddenly you'll find yourself riding along the embankment with nothing to protect you but the divine power of prayer. I'm just keen to know whether or not you'd like to see compulsory training with cycling, because uh, the point I made about the, the bus companies, one bus company wrote back to me and said it was too dangerous to send their, bus driver, their trainee bus drivers out on a bike. Um, do we need to make it compulsory? Um, clearly, Mr Snow gave the example of one company that are, uh, are doing it, but there are far too many other companies who aren't doing it. Should it be compulsory? My view would be yes. Yes, definitely yes. Well, I, there's something I feel uh, that's sort of come to me while I'm sitting here, and that is the government has this tax incentive scheme for employers to provide bicycles. You can, you can get a, a, rake off, a, a break for buying a bicycle through work. Um, it seems to me one very simple thing in terms of cycle trading would be to say you get, you get the bike cheap because you get the, the, um, the company um, kickback on it uh, but before you draw the bicycle from the shop you have to go for one and a half hours training at the local authority cycle training place that would be automatically a way of training cyclists because it's, it's no good thinking the motorist is the only offender in this in many ways, because cycling is so grotesquely unsafe, you actually do break the law regularly but in order to try and cycle more safely. There are moments when it is safer to go across a junction at red, if there's no traffic, than to hang about. I mean, the, and, and one of the reasons why we believe more women are killed in London on bikes is because men are more aggressive. Women hang back, behave themselves, and get killed. Men get to the front... Uh, thrust out across the road the moment thing goes to amber or even red and, and they're away and this is a crazy jungle of a, of a situation and, you know most drivers are aware of some very bad cycling and we've got to take that into account cycling will only get better if provision gets better uh, Mr Maynard it's a truism that if you want to say anything controversial the best place to say it is the floor of the chamber of the house of commons because no one notices <laughs> the only time anyone has ever commented on anything I've ever said there on theyworkforyou.com is when I made a pro-cycling question during transport questions mm -hmm. and I was criticised by cyclists for not being pro-cycling enough do you Clearly, this whole issue generates immense antagonism between cyclists and non-cyclists, whether pedestrians or motorists. You see it in the letters page of the Times. Do you think that that degree of antagonism is helping or hindering the development of good quality public policy? Can I say, Mr Menard, I think it's a, it's a, it, you're exactly right. Um, it's not a temperamental issue between cyclists and drivers or pedestrians that causes its antagonism. We have an adversarial road system. It, if you're a cyclist, you end, often feel cut up or endangered by drivers. And if you're a driver, you often feel cut up and endangered by cyclists. And until we address the structural problem in the road system, mm -hmm. you're going to continue to have uh, that antagonism. And we should be absolutely clear, the anxiety in this is not just confined to cyclists. There's also huge anxiety around this issue amongst drivers. Um, and so I don't think it's, uh, it's about sort of gangs or groups or lobbies. I think the problem lies in the road system. Mm -hmm. And 
as a follow-up to that, there appears to be two distinct groups of, if you like, solutions. One group is seeking to change human nature or driver behaviour or cyclist behaviour or pedestrian behaviour in the hope that somehow they can appeal to our better angels and we will all learn to respect one another. And that would be a lovely dream, but I don't feel it's always realistic. The second group, and it's perhaps borne out by what the Times is reporting today about the role of roundabouts in so many of the more serious accidents, is that we can seek to engineer out many of the, many of the physical structures that cause cyclists and motorists and pedestrians to contest for very scarce road space that causes the antagonism. Is it time that we started that we stopped trying to shift human nature and started trying to be more imaginative in how we actually design our roads and indeed redesign our roads? Is that where public policy should focus? Yeah, I think a lot needs to be completely redesigned. You know, like, like in benevolence, you know, um, roundabouts here are like death traps. And if, if you're starting off cycling and you come into a roundabout and, you, and you're a little bit uncertain, uh, you know, you're, it's, it's just awful because you have to enter a big roundabout, sort of keep up your speed, fly on in. What, what can what, you do? What's done differently in the Netherlands? What I mean, is well, it's different fantastic. Now? In the Netherlands, cyclists have priority. But there's, take the, there's a roundabout outside Chichester. I live north, 20 miles north of Chichester, and there's a Northgate roundabout, big roundabout, and it has a cycle lane going all the way around. But it, every exit, it's a tiny little thing. You're supposed to stop every exit. So if you've got someone who's not used to cycling, they start off in the wrong gear, and you know you, you can't stop at each exit because cars are flying off here and flying. So off it's there. having it's having so, priority. Yeah, in Holland, you, it's an actual. You get a great fat thing for a whole roundabout. A cyclist just goes straight in. Right. All cars wait for you, and they're polite. They know there's none right. of this. So you, you see that as a, a different measure. Yeah, that, it's, that it makes a real to, difference. Mr. Yeah. Harding, do you I, want to I, respond I, to? I, I entirely see Mr. Maynard's point. I mean, I'm a fan of the old Yogi Bear review that if you see a fork in the road, take it. Uh, I think that you want to make sure that you deal with some of the behavioural issues around training, around lorries and junctions. But I think the big opportunity and the really important thing for not just London, Manchester, Leeds, Birmingham, is we start thinking about really investing in separate cycleways, separate cycle lanes, the kind of uh, systems that you see in Amsterdam, in Copenhagen, in Berlin. Um, because, as John says, you're going to keep on seeing increasing uptake of, of cycling, and we're going to have to have to change the provision of cycleways. So, ultimately, I guess I'm with you that the emphasis needs to shift from, you know, training greater emphasis on highway code to different ways of building the cities. But cycle only, not shared with pedestrians. Correct. Yeah. Mr. Snow, do you want to comment on... Uh, well, well, no, I, mean, I, I would like to change behaviour. I must admit, I still live in hope. <laughs> I, I, I believe that... And I'm a driver myself. I mean, you get behind the wheel and some, somehow you are superior to anybody else in the road because you're in a tank, you're, you're in a metal box of power. Um, and it is very difficult psychologically to recognise there's only one of you and there's one of them on a bike. And somehow we have to try and get people to understand some degree of equality. I suspect that if the system accepted that cyclists had rights, rights of provision, rights of law, um, you know, rights of giving way, etc., we could change behaviour. But I also agree very strongly that we have to change physical uh, provision. I'd just like to mention one country you would not look to um, for any road guidance, and that's the United States. Uh, in Washington, D.C., um, 
there are a number of traffic light systems where they favour the cyclist by allowing you to turn, um, actually in their case, right on red. Um, it, it, it has a little sign saying you can do it, and you do it. And that enables all the cyclists that are at the junction to get out before the traffic goes. And that's something we should think about. Filters. One of the problems infrastructurally we deal with in this country, and it's right across Britain, is that the traffic light system was invented in the 1930s and largely has not been updated. There's no excuse for traffic lights after 8 o'clock at night. Flashing amber would probably be enough in nearly all our junctions, and that is the case in the United States. Uh, in New York and in, in Washington, and many parts of, of urban America, uh, traffic lights are switched off and become uh, um, amber flashing. And they've also got this filter system. We do nothing to upgrade our traffic light system, and we should. Mr. Quilting. Thank you very much, Chair. Um, you said something earlier about um, leadership, about the fact that there was no uh, leadership in, in this uh, very important public safety issue. And I was struck by um, one thing, really. I mean, what does leadership in this department look like? I mean, what would you like to see? Le leadership looks like joining up government. There are lots of elements of government that are interested in cycling. Health is interested in promoting cycling. It's very, very good for the the lungs, the pulmonary system, the rest of it. Um, and, and there are many advocates. Obesity, for example. A lot of, a lot of people want children to cycle. But as Sustrand has, and, and indeed uh, CTC have illustrated, uh, cycling to school in many places is extremely dangerous. They've invented these cycle crocodiles to try and take bunches of children together as a sort of elongated cycling bus um, in some places. But, but it's very, very difficult. And that shouldn't be happening. It should be a fundamental right of parents to allow their children to but, cycle to school. Forgive me. I mean, practically, what does that mean? Well, I mean it means education, health... No, but, but in terms of the government? The government, the government, it means one, one person, one minister, okay. is charged with responsibility for liaising with all these departments, uh, but most principally with infrastructural decisions that are made about road building. Um, very recently, there's been an urban road built in King's Cross to deal with the new King's Cross development. Uh, is there a separated cycleway? No, they haven't even given a thought to it. Uh, there's been some paint on the road, though. Paint on the road is not a solution. How dare they paint, paint, put paint on a road when they had all those millions to spend on a road system coming through King's Cross? I don't know whether it was millions. It may only have been hundreds of thousands. But nevertheless, you know, uh, uh, if they built it there and then, when they built the pavement and when they built the road, it would have saved them money. They'd have had a separated thing. The trouble is it would have ended nowhere. Where would it have ended? On the Euston Road, and it would have come to a grim end. Can, can, I, can, I, just answer, can I just answer the question? I think it's a key question. I think at the city level, we've asked in our manifesto to say every city should have a cycling commissioner. You can call them what you like, but you want someone in City Hall who's responsible for cycling. Um, because, as we've seen with our campaign, actually the best way to fix some of the problems on the roads is to respond to cyclists, and they've got no one to call. So at the city level, we'd like to see every city introduce a cycling commissioner. Inside the Department of Transport, I think there's a real issue, which is when new road systems are signed off, when new construction happens or improvements are put in place, again, there's no one in the room who's whose job is to look out for cyclists, and we need that within the Department of Transport. And then thirdly, the reason why we'd like to see the Prime Minister and Downing Street get engaged in this is, as John says, at the moment you see bits and pieces of cycling policy come out across different departments, and you want someone who is working at a cross-departmental level who is saying we really care about the safety of cyclists and we're going to pull this, pull this together. So in terms of government, that's what we'd like to see.
And that person would sit within the Department of Transport or in the Prime Minister's office? Uh, well, frankly, you would have someone day in, day out in the Department of Transport. Yeah. But, uh, but given the political uh, appetite, or the sort of public's appetite for political action, uh, I think that the Prime Minister should engage with this issue. He's been very supportive in terms of what he said about the cycling campaign. But what you, what you actually want to see is you want someone in Downing Street making sure that warm words translate into action. That's a very comprehensive answer. Thank you. The, the, the Prime Minister has been supportive in what he said. Are you aware yes. of anything he's actually done? Well, well, I think that you're, we're seeing, we, have you seen in the paper this morning, we're trying to keep tabs on the progress that, that is being made, and there is progress being made uh, along the, on the manifesto. I think the progress is, is seriously inadequate. Um, and I think arguably worse than that, um, there is a danger that the reason that we're not seeing cycling injuries and deaths climbing as quickly as they could be is that too many people are being scared off the roads. And one of the things that concerns me, and I know you're seeing the ministers later this morning, is that to a certain extent it may even suit the Department of Transport to think we'll, we'll keep a certain number of people off the roads um, because that will actually manage this problem for us. I think the only way to, to answer it, as I've said before, is to have a different vision for the way our cities work for cyclists. Thank you. Mr Surdy. Thank you, uh, Madam Chair. All, so far all the panellists sort of have talked about the need for investment, and that's coming out loud and clear, in, in segregation and the fact that our road system isn't currently equipped for segregation for, for obvious reasons. Um, in the Times Manifesto, um, I think it was uh, point seven of the Times Manifesto, you talked about um, the need for public sector, um, sorry, private sector in involvement and sponsorship in, in dedicated cycle, cycle lanes, cycle tracks and the success of the Boris bikes. The Times cycle lane has a sort of quite a nice ring to it. Um, and I, can, I fully support that, and I can see that have, having great potential in London, but how, would, how do you feel and across the panel, how do you think that would, that would manifest itself into other parts of the country, into the northern cities? I'm a northern MP. Do you think we can get that into outside of London and into northern cities, or will there have to be government incentives put in place, potentially tax breaks or, uh, tax breaks or business rate? relief, etc., to sort of drive that? Do you think that, that might be a way that, that, that the government could spread it out outside of, of London? Well, I think leadership that we've talked about here um, would be meaningless if they didn't have any money to spend. And unfortunately, you do need money to spend. Uh, but, uh, it, uh, and the problem is we never like um, looking at the equivalent savings uh, that would be made by investing. But if you go for a, sum, a modest sum, like 300 million dispersed, um, reasonably evenly across the country there will be some money to spend if there's leadership with no money then the leadership is pointless completely pointless so there really has to be a new provision I can't actually that's government, think... well, that's government money I'm talking about how do we get the private sector really engaged in this in the sponsorship like we've done with it like has happened with the Boris bikes well you've got, you've got companies sponsoring roundabouts you know, uh, there are a lot of, lot of companies paid garden um, Roundabouts, and that happens in the north and south. I've seen many around Manchester and elsewhere. Um, you've got uh, companies sponsoring trees. Um, I don't see why you couldn't have companies sponsoring cycleways. I don't mind, um, you know, cycling along the Unilever 
psychopath. I, I mean, fine, no, no problem at all. What I do want to point out is that this is probably the largest body of British citizens for whom there is effectively no one in charge and no one um, uh, and no real provision at all. We're talking about millions of people who, I mean, we, we do more for football supporters than we do for um, cyclists. We actually try to save their lives, those football supporters. We have regulations, we have all sorts of stuff which protects them. We police them and the rest of it. Bikes not. I've never seen anybody ever prosecuted for, for driving in a cycle lane. Never. Yeah. I was at somebody I was going to say, no, why, why can't cyclists have more money? For the Netherlands have 20 to 30 pounds a head for cyclists. We have a sort of paltry two pounds. And, and like John says, but it needs to be, you know, you, I've had a friend killed by a cyclist and, they, and they've had, virtually, remember, the driver practically got off a few hundred pounds fines, careless driving, you know, and I've had another one left with, you know, brain, almost brain damage. Uh, and, you know, but, uh, drivers get off too easily. And, it, you know, uh, why, can, why can it not be where it changed, you know, cyclists or motorists sort of start beginning to fear cyclists? If they know that they're going to, if they hit a cyclist straight away, you know, like your insurance cops it or something, and um, and then you know you have to pay a massive, massive fine. You know, they've got to be stricter penalties. And mobile, you know, mobile phones is just awful. I'm cycling all the time. See people coming around with one hand on a mobile phone, changing gear. I'm in the middle of a roundabout, and you just think, you know. Too many people get away with mobile phones. I entirely accept that, but it was the segregation point I wanted to go on, if I, if yeah. I can, Madam Chair, and, and, and the sponsorship of private sector and whether government needs to um, offer something back to really engage the private sector in it, and, that, um, and especially as I'm talking about outside, probably outside London, to really, really get it going, and that might be something on business rates, etc., something down those lines. Well, it's realistic that the private sector could engage in this. Well, well I've, I've, there's no saying. Uh, but, yes. but the answer is absolutely yes. yes. If you speak to Barclays, um, one of the most uh, effective and rewarding things they've done in terms of marketing in this in, in London has been the what they like to refer to as the Barclays bikes. Um, I'll just say two things about that. One is I think one of the really useful things that the, the committee can do in this area is try to think through how you engage the private sector. But that there would be a public appetite for that engagement I think is beyond doubt in that it's been amazing to us the public response to this campaign. People feel passionately about cycling. They feel it is an enormous part of their identity and they don't feel cared for or catered to. And rather than so many other areas of life where people are turning their backs on politicians, this is one of those areas where actually people are looking to politics and politicians to find an answer. And if you look, as John says, as what's happened with roundabouts, the sort of adopt-a-highway approach, I think it's entirely possible that you would get both national and local uh, businesses to say, we want to put our name to cycleways, segregated cycleways, precisely because it would show that we were in touch with the concerns of our customers. I, mean, I, I do think it's important that the image of cycling has changed so dramatically. It's now seen as a mainstream activity as part of the daily work cycle. I mean, in, in the old days, if you were in this place, I can tell you that, that the MPs who cycled were seen as slightly bonkers. Um, you know, they used to call him the bicycling baronet. Now he's the leader of the house. Um, you know, I mean, so so um, uh, the, the, the current is all in the right direction. The private sector wants to be involved with things which are seen to be a good thing. So you're looking for leadership and you think private sector 
can be part of that. So yeah, part very much. Mr Stewart. Uh, thank you, Chair. I'd, I'd like to pick up on the, the urban planning points and cross-departmental points that Mr Harding and Mr Snow uh, alluded to earlier. I represent uh, Mills and Keynes constituency. Mills and Keynes was first designed, uh, it made a conscious decision to completely segregate uh, cyclists from motor cars. And we have a, a network of what are known as redways. But the more recent housing estates that have been built, that hasn't been extended. And I think it's partly because of the, the pressure to cram in as many new houses as possible. And as we're moving into phase where we're building many more houses, and we have the localism agenda where communities have a much greater role in shaping uh, the geography of new developments, what do you see as the process for helping cycle lanes, pathways, whatever it is, to be built as an integral part of these designs? Is it a legislative uh, requirement? Is it a, sort of a campaign for influence when the, the, the neighbourhood plans are designed? How do you see it working? Um, well, my, the, fo the focus of our campaign has not been on legislation. It's been on action. So, as I mentioned, one issue is within the Department of Transport, uh, oversight of any new road building has someone in the room who has responsibility for cycle safety. Um, I would like to see that. I, I think we should be clear what we're talking about with an eye to investment and changing urban planning and the road structures is going to take many, many years. So it's more about parliamentary, ongoing parliamentary scrutiny and the earmarking of a serious sum. John talked about £300 million. We said 2% of the highway agency's budget. There needs to be a commitment from government at a central level and local level on spending. Then there needs to be scrutiny of how that is spent within the Department of Transport and I would hope to see by Parliament too. So maybe I'm missing something in terms of what could be done through legislation, but actually the focus that we've had so far has been, been chiefly on, on, um, on what can be done by government. I'm afraid in terms of urban planning in particular, cycling has to join the other issues that have to be considered. Trash collection, you know, I mean there are all sorts of planning regulations which facilitate the living in an urban area. And I'm afraid I do think compulsion, legal compulsion, to make provision for cycles is absolutely essential. And that means where people live, so that they can cycle from where they live to where they work, from where they live to where they go to school. And that involves compulsory provision as part of the planning uh, system. It must be introduced. I, I, I cannot see how a bitty process is going to deliver this. We've seen the effect of bitty processes on paint, painted cycleways on the road. They suddenly stop because you've either changed boroughs or you've moved into another council area or whatever. And th this can be suicidal. I mean, it can be absolutely terrifying to be channeled into a thing which eventually just peters out. Uh, it's absolutely essential, I think, that if cycle safety is to be developed, there has to be compulsion in the planning system to make provision in every new urban development for the bicycle. And that includes parking bicycles. That's another area we haven't touched on. Could it just question the matter a little bit more. At the moment, I think I'm correct in saying that uh, when a new housing area is planned, the, the Forest Service has to be consulted uh, for access for, for their emergency vehicles. You're calling for cyclists also to be involved in that process. But who 
who's involved. Curious enough, I, I'm not asking for cyclists to be involved, I'm asking for planners to be involved. And the planners, just as they have to plan a road, have to plan a pavement, and have to plan, they have to plan pedestrian access and cycling access. And these should be the three uh, transport commitments. I'm, I'm not asking for an automatic rail provision, for example, but, but, but I, I think here you are talking about fundamental, the citizen's usage. The citizen uses the bike, the feet, and the car. And those three items need to be accommodated in every new plan. These should be laid down in the automatic yep. procedures, yes. in the routine yes. procedures yes. for planning. Yes. I'm afraid so. I, I'm not a stylist, but... ..in all the councils and the parish councils, because at the moment people don't really understand it right, you know, right down to the small what it's like to be cycling, and the, and the speed limits too. Something has to be done about... Well, what about the 20 mile an hour speed limit suggested yes, for I mean, local roads? Would that make a big difference? Yes, 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 I think it definitely would. I mean, past Molly School is a 40 mile speed limit, which means I've, I've often overtaken at 50 um, with children on the, on the back. And I've been, I've been to the council last December, said, you know, can we get a 20 past the school? Because if you, if you hit, hit a cyclist at 40, 90% of children would die. Hit them at 20, 5% would um, die. You know, it's a huge difference. And they said, oh, well, you know, we can't really do that. It's all this umming and umming. They just make excuses. You know, you've got to get on and do it. And, and they said it's all, it has to be petition-led, so I have to go around traipsing around the whole village, and the village think, oh, I don't want to slow my speed because I want to get to work. Um, and, but, you know, it's shown in Portsmouth. Portsmouth has put 20 mile an hour speed limits. So if, the if there was a system of a default 20 miles an hour speed limit in, on local roads, would in, is that something... In areas where there are not segregated cyclways. So, so I would, uh, yes. we would argue for 20 mile per hour speed limit in residential areas where there are not segregated mm -hmm. cycleways. Uh, and one of the things about that is not only, as Josie says, is that safer, but I think it would also reinforce the sense that the interests of cyclists and drivers are aligned. Drivers want to go faster, in which case for that to happen there needs to be segregated cycleways. I agree with James. We're just really interested to, uh, to hear why you think the residential streets where there is segregated cycleways shouldn't have the 20 mile an hour limit because I think there is a danger um, that if you have you keep it at 30 miles an hour on those streets uh, drivers are less inclined to stick to the 20 mile an hour speed limit on the other roads is there any particular reason why you've gone for that particular view well the the reason we have is as I just said I think and Josie said 20 miles per hour makes it safer I think that you need to put in place many, many more segregated cycleways and you need to incentivise drivers behind that idea too. And that being able to free up drivers to drive a little more quickly uh, where there are segregated cycleways reinforces that, reinforces that point. Um, I should say just two things. We, as I said, have been, were prompted into this by the terrible accident um, that, the, that happened to, to Mary Bowers. Um, we don't think that we've got it all here in this manifesto and, and listening to you, Mr Stewart, trying to think through whether there's a capacity for legislation. I think we've got to go away and do some work and think about where that might or might not work. I, I don't know. And likewise, on this point about road uh, speed limits, the truth is that we've done a lot of consulting with people, but we probably need to speak to more in terms of what the impact would be on drivers if you have that differential 20 to 30 miles per hour. I think we're asking for a lot, and we should be pragmatic. And I absolutely agree with his approach. I, I think if the motorist just thinks the cyclist is being favoured in some totally unfair way, 
I think we're not going to make progress. But I, I think in, in new building, in urban areas, uh, then the, the segregation should uh, permit slightly faster speeds. But where there, are, there is no segregation, 20 is absolutely plenty. But, but cycling in the countryside, I do a lot of cycling in the countryside as, as well as cities, and some of the countryside, some of the most dangerous roads now. I mean, cycling in itself. So what, is, should, what should be done in the countryside? A lot of our discussions focused on cities, hasn't it? Yes. And London and perhaps yeah. other cities too. What should, what should be well, done in the countryside? Just, I just want to say that cycling in itself is, is a safe activity. It's, it's for people around you who make it unsafe, because cycling is fantastic. It's, it's no so better what, way what to should be around. done then to deal with the people around you? Well, one of the most places where cyclists get killed in the countryside are on A roads in the countryside. So you just shouldn't ever cycle on A road. I had to join an A road two so days what, ago. So what should be done? What should be done? Well, you, you either have to have a, um, you know, a completely fantastic infrastructure of cycleways. You know, like take the 272, sort of Peters, A272, Petersville to Midhurst. If, if you want to cycle down it, you've got a white line. So, so you want either cycleways... You have to have a proper cycle, not, not a cycle lane, not, not a sort of foot yeah. cycle lane, because people are passing you at 60 miles an hour, two yeah. inches Are, are there the any elbow. other things that, that should be done in terms of other rural things. areas? In, enforcement of speed limits and um, education of drivers to overtaking a cyclist, you know, if you're on that road. And I think there should be a huge advertising campaign too um, on you know, just what speed does, because you know, it's his speed that sort of puts people off and... and Kills people, you know, just like the sort of boy races. You know, I think James had in his magazine in one of the um, in the in the in the um, transport in the motoring section just about a, a young lad who who was got his car. He wanted a Corsa because he could go 140 miles an hour top speed, and all his friends were egging him on to go faster and faster. Country road, this is. This is where you know I might be cycling. So it's speed, 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 speed is a huge something. We're um, we're we're about to um, question two ministers. Um, is there any one question that you will think we should, we should but, put but if you, to the minister? If you build a good cycleway, they have to be yeah. like... What's the question to the minister? Have you got well, to go to a, Holland, go question. cycling around Holland. Is there a question that you'd like us to put to the ministers? We've well, got two I'll ministers coming. <laughs> minister, how do you propose to raise the profile and the power of the direction of cycling in this country? Um, where is the leadership in government? I mean, I don't suppose everybody in this room, maybe not anybody in this room, could even name the Minister for Cycling. Though there presumably is somebody, but it's a tacked-on responsibility. It's a very big subject. It's a full-time subject, Minister. And what do you do, what do you propose to do to raise the profile and attract the funding and the infrastructure for something which is a key dependence of millions of people in this country? Is that that's agreed? Seems to be the key. Uh, but I have a different question, so, which is simply: How much money will you commit to building new cycleways um, over the next five years? Right, profile and the money. Okay, thank you very much. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thank for you very much indeed. Thank you very much.